in its stock market, if you buy in when everyone else is selling, which is what John Templeton suggested we be polite and do, be a gentleman yes. and do. Yes, he, his qu- direct quote is, Sir John Templeton, I believe in being a conscientious uh, investor. When the market wishes to sell, I oblige them and I buy. And when the market wishes to buy, I oblige them and I sell. It's very yes. kind of him. Except he didn't do a lot of selling. He, <laughs> he just buy. held on to it, yeah. Once more under the breach, dear friends. Hells fill the wall up with our English dead. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and welcome to another exciting episode of The Personal Wealth Coach starring Jake and Jeff McClure. McClure. We are both bald, and the first disclosure is that our definition of what an exciting episode may not be the average person's definition of excitement. For us, talking about the Federal Reserve's minutes, we are on the edge of our seats. Hopefully, we can bring that excitement to you, maybe, possibly, though I have tried it with my soon-to-be um, eight-year-old, and, um, and I'm missing some things to get that across. I don't know how I can get my excitement over the inversion of the yield curve across to her at this point. I'm going to work on it. Uh, it. It'll be okay at some point. Yeah. Uh, Right. So disclosures. We're both bald. Jake is bald. Jeff is bald. We're both bearded. Jeff's beard is all white. Um, those are the first disclosures. And Jake's beard is mostly black with a few streaks of gray in it. Yes. Yes. So he, we, we're telling the others um, beard description. So Because I can't see my beard right now and he can. I can't, he can't see his beard. So just verify to you your beard is white. So that disclosure is out of the way. We're also bald. Um, the two of us, Jeff and Jake, are also the principals at another place called The Personal Wealth Coach, not just this radio program. It is a registered investment advisory firm, registered with the SEC to give fiduciary advice. Does that mean that the SEC approves of us or gives us kudos, uh, attaboys, um, thank you very muches, or thumbs up of any kind, any other emojis for that matter, besides fixed stuff? No, they don't. They don't do that. They, in fact, if anyone ever claims that they are approved by the SEC, um, that's kind of a violation of the SEC's own rules. So, no, they're not going to. They, they don't approve stuff. They do often disapprove things. So, uh, that is their job. Their job is to say no, not to say yes. There. Um, we're also, we're registered to give fiduciary advice. What does that mean? It means advice in the best interest of the person receiving the advice. But we can't do that on the radio. Why are we doing the radio then? Well, to educate you. This is not paid commercial program. We are not paid to do this either. We were just looking at this with the new year. I've been doing this for 25 years. Uh, older Baldy here. Uh, you you did it for what twenty seven now, and you were in radio back before the hills got dusty as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Back when we had to bang rocks together to do the radio. Yes, it, it was a you bang them hard enough, and you got the resonant frequency required for the tower to pick it up. Right, uh, and it, we'd bang on bang on drums so 
we communicate by drums in the jungles and so on. Right. Microphone was the name of the guy that was banging the rocks together. You right. called him Mike. Yeah. Right. Um, so, yeah, you've been doing radio a lot longer than me. Uh, Actually, I started doing radio, I think, in 1965. Yeah. That was a lot longer than me. That was a long time ago. 65 yeah. or 66. I'm not completely sure which year I started. It's because memory issues. Yeah. They didn't keep Just memory the same way back then. It was a black and white memory and... It wasn't even on a floppy disk yet. So it's really easy to lose that kind of memory just to formatting issues. Uh, yes. Those are disclosures so far. The SEC doesn't approve of us. We're not paid to do this. We don't pay to do this. We do buy advertising on the studio's station. Not studio, the radio station, yeah. Yeah, the, the radio station about the radio program. So we actually don't advertise our business. We, ra- we advertise the program. Um, and of course, the most important disclosure of the day has not been given yet. Which is that we're bald? No, we're no. Not, that is very important, though. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that's the most important one. I think the fact that the information we present on this educational radio program has been obtained from sources we deem to be reliable, but we make no warranty or guarantee as to the completeness or accuracy of said information. See, you only think that's the best one because you get to say warranty, guarantee, deem, accuracy, and completion in the same sentence. Right. And I think it's really cool. Yeah. If you say that at a cocktail party, um, first off, I've not been to a cocktail party in a lot of years. Why do we still say that? Um, But if you said it at a cocktail party, um, you would either be the center of attention or not. But that's true of almost anything you could say there, isn't it? Mm. Well, if, if you see if, at cocktail, what, I can't remember when I've been to a cocktail party. I mean, it's like a, it's a piece of phrasing that still stuck around. Is this from the 60s too? Did they I normally think so. have cocktail parties? I mean. I, I guess and I missed them because I wasn't in the correct socioeconomic strata. Right. Could be. I don't know what rooster tails have to do with parties anyway. This is very strange. Okay, what happened this week in the market? I should say the last, maybe the really most important disclosure and that we're weird. We're also very nerdly. So but what happened this week in the market? Well, the stock market did, from the perspective of people who invest in it, quite well this week. Um, it, uh, it's the second week in a row that it's done that. 2023 has been pretty darn good. If we could just keep this up for the rest of 2023, it would be sort of pleasant, but very scary. I think it's ironic. The Standard Poor's 500 stock index is the index we primarily use to represent the whole stock market. It's not probably the best index, but it's not the worst. And of the major indices or indexes, depending on how you want to say it, that are advertised and are readily available, it is the most broad. It ended the week at, now this is a good number to remember, 3,999.09. So you can remember that one. That will stick. 999.09. 3999.09. So yeah. it's 3999.09 on Friday the 13th. See, see, it's not a good headline, but it would be a great sales advertisement. You never say your price. Yeah. yeah. You never say yeah. the price is a whole number. You always round it down by a penny. And stock market on but, sale Friday the 13th, 39.9909. Yeah, but on a headline, you always use the round number. All the zeros together make a better headline, but all the nines together make a better sales price. 
There you go. I don't know. I think those nines will, will, will stick in people's brains. It's I mean, three nine 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 point zero nine. I, don't I like it. Yeah, I like it too. Yeah. Well, it isn't on anybody's headlines, but I think it's cool. <laughs> it's on our headline because uh, I'm weird. Okay, so there is a, the four thousand level is psychologically important because there's kind of there's, there's a number of there's zeros because there's zeros on it. So and, it's psychologically and important. Above four thousand, several pundits have said if the market gets above four thousand, the S and P five hundred or the SPX gets above four thousand and stays there for a couple of weeks then we're back in a bull market and they're accurate. Yeah. Um, Behaviorally, that's absolutely correct. Round numbers are important to us for some reason. Uh, well, the market for the week, the stock market for the week, meaning the S&P 500 rose 2.76%. Now, if it would just do that for 52 weeks running, that would be pretty cool. Um, yep. It's up 4.16% so far this year. Two weeks into the year, we're up 4.16%. Uh, it's up almost 11.63% from where it was in mid-October. More and more, and I, and I, again, the future is always uncertain, but, and, and you can't tell the future unless you look at the past and then it's not the future anymore. It's the past, but it's all and, perspective. And we, we, we wrote this in our newsletter and newspaper column and mentioned it on the radio at the time, but the 12th of October of 2022 looks more and more and more like the bottom of the bear market. Now, there's still people saying, no, the real bottom is going to come in the near future. I don't think so. Though. It I might. It, it, it might. We're not, we're not it saying might. it won't, but it doesn't look like it based on what we've seen in, in history. Yeah, 40 years of doing this professionally suggests to me that we saw the bottom in October. Yeah. October is a good month to have a bottom in the market, too. It, so, it, it, what, wait a minute. Let me rephrase that for everyone. We've been around the stock market. We, we we're really look at the economy very closely, but we've been around the stock market professionally a long time. I've been, I've been around the stock market professionally for 32 years now. You, you're at the 40-year point. And by that, I'm just trying to say we've seen a lot of bare bottoms. Uh, now wait a minute. Wait. See what I see what I did there. See, the, the, my wife the and I of had the five bare, children that we did see a lot of bare. You bottoms. You did see a lot of bare bottoms. Yeah, yeah, it's true. <sighs> so we know what a bare bottom looks like, and that I've looked your like bare a bottom. bare bottom on October twelfth. There I've you go. Seen your bare bottom. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, those of you that don't know, this is another disclosure. Older Baldy is younger Baldy's dad. We've been working together for 32 years. Oh, it's disgusting. And this may be a definition of why we're weird, because we've gone slowly insane as a, a father-son duo over that time period. And we are totally off the market. Um, so I'll, I'll hand it back and, to you. <laughs> and if you add a ver to it, it's the truth. A ver? Do-over. Do-over. Duo. Yeah. Ver. Do over. That's their. That's our motto. Anyway, and as far as where the stock market is, as far as its valuation is concerned, it is seventy nine percent higher than it was in March of twenty twenty during the pandemic bear market, the last bear market. So if you were, if you remember March of twenty twenty and thinking, man, I should have got out of the market. I was scared. I wanted to get out of the market. People don't remember that very well because it's so far in the past. I mean, it is almost three years. Almost. Ago. I mean, that's a long time. That is for most people. Um, just the other day, it was down almost 80%. It, I mean, it's risen 80% since then. So if you didn't get out of the market in March of 2020, and a lot of people did, that's why we had a severe bear market because 
We have bear markets when people sell. The market going down only goes down. The stock market declining in value only does so because people are selling. And, the, and inevitably, not inevitably, but normally, we see a big sell-off at the bottom. We didn't see a big sell-off at the bottom in this bear market. Uh, we did in the previous one. And those people who sold off at the bottom probably are still waiting to get back in. And if they are, then it's, they it's, have missed an 80% gain in the market, Yeah, uh, which is not good. Anyway, Even when we're still in a second bear market since then, it's only three years later. Yeah. Well, if you go back to just before the pandemic, three years ago, the market's up, the S&P 500 is up 17%. Now, why do I carry on about that? The short-term, day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month, quarter-to-quarter movements in the stock market. Century-to-century. Milli- oh, I'm sorry. No, no, not, I'm, no, I'm, no, I'm no. getting a little ahead of myself. Sorry about that. Go ahead. Short-term moves in the stock market are things that speculators should be concerned about and investors should not. Uh, investors, the shortest time period the very shortest time period that an actual investor should look at is three years. So where are we from three years ago? We're up 17%. That number is about to get a lot bigger. And it's about to get a lot bigger, not necessarily because our market at this end has grown that much, Right. we are closing in on the pandemic and the bear market. And so sometime in the near future, I will be reporting something to the effect that the market is now up 80 some percent from where it was three years ago. And that is the reality. When everybody was selling out of that bear market was obviously the ideal time to invest because it was an 80% gain. And that has been true in the history of the the United States in its stock market. If you buy in when everyone else is selling, which is what John Templeton suggested we be polite and do, be a gentleman and do. Yes, his direct quote is, Sir John Templeton, I believe in being a conscientious... Uh, investor. When the market wishes to sell, I oblige them and I buy. And when the market wishes to buy, I oblige them and I sell. It's very kind of him. Except he didn't do a lot of selling. He (laughs) He just held on to it. Yeah. Uh, So anyway, so we're, despite all that good news I just said, and it it is, it remains nonetheless true. If you look back one year, the SPX is down 16.56%. So which is true? Is the market up or down? Well, it all depends on whether you're a speculator or an investor. So if you're if you're a long-term investor and that's what you say you are, then the market is up dramatically. If you're a speculator, you throw your money in and watch it and maybe yank it out and maybe not yank it out, then the market's down. And so, there is a universal truth, by the way. The difference there, speculator, speculation, spectate, that's Latin for looking, watching. Invest means to become part of. It actually means to put clothes on. But the clothes are a uniform. So when you put a uniform of the military on, you've become part of the military. When you're invested, you own what you've purchased. It's part of who you are. When you speculate, you're just watching it to see what happens. So you can jump in and out. And there's a difference in understanding of value there. Very, very carefully understanding value. Yes, back to you. I keep interrupting. Sorry. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> well, the other thing that's important about what is going on in the stock market right now is there is historically a high degree of validity in looking at something called a 200-day moving average. It's psychological. Is it certain uh, prediction of the future? Absolutely not. But generally speaking, in, in about 88, 88.9, I read somewhere, percent of the cases in, his, in, the, in the last, since World War II at least, when the stock market measured by 
the S&P 500 or its predecessors, holds a value for at least two weeks that is above its 200-day moving average. So it's an average of the last 200 days in the market, market days, and you take an average of those, and if the current value of the market is above that and holds there for a couple of weeks, then we are in a bull market, whether it feels like it or not. And we have now crossed the 200-day moving average. So remember that 3999.09, because if we stay above that for two weeks, then there historically, uh, that appears to be a good indicator that we are back in a bull market. And of course, the odd thing about it, if we say, okay, now we're in a bull market. Well, that means we've been in a bull market since the 12th of October, but we just didn't know it. And therein is another piece of wisdom about the stock market. You don't know what you're in until you're deep into it and you're looking in the rearview mirror. So you have to have a degree of faith as to where you are. Or you can anyway, just, that's, this, is, this is a really good idea. You just drive backwards really fast. No. Now here's a, no, another aspect. Good. Never mind. Here's another aspect of the stock market that we think is very important. Um, we follow another index, the CRSP mid-cap value index. Um, which is composed of stocks that are mainly in the S&P 500. In fact, I think they're all in the S&P 500. Uh, but they're the smaller stocks in the S&P 500. And the price of those stocks appears to be based on the underlying value of the company rather than hope for earnings in the future. Um, so that makes it a different kind. It's called a value. They're called value stocks for that reason. And they're mid-cap. Small caps don't make it into the S&P 500. Anyway, it rose 2.08% for the week. Now, remember that value stocks are the stogy, uh, slow-moving, boring stocks that people don't get excited about. Yeah, those boring, they, just profitable companies that sit there and own things and make money. So, so boring. And, and, and you won't ever see them in the headlines or anything, but... So it's up 2% for the week, which doesn't sound too impressive, but it's up 5.24% for 2023, which puts it ahead of the S&P 500. But here's the big one. It's only down about 5% from its record high a year ago. So it, instead of being down uh, the, what did I say, 16%, 16.5% that the S&P 500 is, 16.56%, it's down 5%. And again, there is a long-term, although not necessarily short-term, truth about value stock investing. Anyway, it's just a little bunch of trivia um, about the stock market. 10-year U.S. Treasury note, which is an important benchmark. It sets the many mortgages and other loans are based on the 10-year U.S. Treasury yield. It ended the week yielding 3.49. Last week, it was 3.55. Not a lot of difference. Uh, the te treasury yield curve still remains distinctly inverted uh, with the six-month uh, treasury bill, uh, if you annualized rate of like 4.76%. So, but there's a, but it's becoming in a way less inverted because recently. Can I the jump whole, in real quick and say this? Because if you just picked it up what, listening to this program, you what is an invealed, inverted yield curve? Is it like the upside? Year, it's yes, an infielded yield curve. It's like curve. when you come to a sign on the street that's normally a downward pointing triangle, it's an, it's an inverted yield sign? No, no. Um, typically, loans have higher interests the longer the loan. So if you're trying to get a 30-year loan, your interest rate is going to be higher than if you're trying to get a 15-year loan. 
normally because the person, the bank that's loaning you the money or the people that are loaning you the money aren't locking their money up for as long a period of time. So they generally get paid more for locking it up longer. So when you have really, really short-term loans paying a higher interest rate than like the 30-year or the 10-year loans, if you can take out, a, if you can get a loan right now for one month at 4.5%, which is what the government is getting, or you can take a 30-year loan out for 3.6%, why would you take a one-month loan? Um, yeah, so most companies that are intensely trying to grow are taking short-term loans to do shorter-term investing, generally shorter than five-year loans to buy equipment, to hire new people. And when those interest rates go up faster than the long-term loans, it means that those companies that are intensely focused on growth don't grow as quickly or stop growing at all. Some of them go out of business because they couldn't afford the loans they had already. So that's not a good sign for the economy long term. So back to you. That was brief explanation. Recently, the entire yield curve was inverted with relatively low interest rates out at 30 years and the interest rates rising as you move shorter and shorter and shorter time. It's a, it's a severely inverted yield curve. It's the most inverted I've certainly ever seen. And now at least the longer term interest rates are up a bit and the shorter interest rates are up a lot. The low point in the interest rate curve, interestingly enough, is right around 10 years, which is just plain weird. But it's happening and that's the way life is. Yeah. Uh, and, bonds, the, and the high point in the interest rate curve is at the six-month point. It's just weird. Depending on which bond index you use, over the last two years, bonds in general, which are historically considered to be the safe side of the market and, again, boring and not particularly interesting and they pay steady interest and that's cool, they're down between 15 and 17%. And if you think back, what how far down is the stock market? Well, it's down about 16 point some percent or 15%, 15 to 17% range, depending on what part of the stock market you're in. So this is an interesting point in the in the stock market. Is it different this time? It's certainly different than it's been in the past 40 years, because for 40 years, interest rates have been coming down. And we developed this kind of rule of thumb and wisdom among the in the public and in some brokers and in some people who really don't understand markets that well. Uh, a lot of people believed. That if you mix stocks and bonds together, you had a safe portfolio because if the stocks went down, the bonds would go up because when stocks go down, we're headed to a recession. The Federal Reserve lowers interest rates, which causes bond values to rise. And when the Federal Reserve would raise interest rates, it would cause the stock market to fall. So if you had a mixture of stocks and bonds, you had a stable portfolio. As a matter of fact, there's this myth mythological stable portfolio that's 60% stocks and 40% bonds is the 60-40 portfolio that is often uh, written about and sometimes spoken about as being the traditional safe portfolio, and that's where you should be. Whoa, if you have had a safe portfolio over the last couple of years, your portfolio is down 17 to 20%. Across the board. Across the board. There wasn't a place in that portfolio that saved you. So it ain't always true, and one of the questions we're going to be addressing is it different this it is different this time certainly different than anything we've seen in a generation or more and it's it's an interesting for those of us who study economics and and the long-term movements of the stock market 
it's certainly an interesting time. It's yeah. been like a hundred years since we've seen this kind of uh, behavior in the stock market. Anyway, it's a sea change. It's a, it's a major shift. It isn't different this time because it's been a hundred years since we've seen it. But it's different. But we didn't. It's different. Er, how's that? But we we didn't see it a hundred years ago. I, I didn't. Stated. Yeah. So anyway, um, the other thing, another thing we follow besides the treasury bond and the bond market is the West Texas intermediate crude oil, which is certainly a fascinating subject to follow uh, over the years if you're a geek like us. It uh, closed out the week at about $80 a barrel, which is sort of interesting. It was $120 barrel a barrel in June, and it was down to less than $30 a barrel a couple of years ago. At one point, for a short period of time, it was a negative $30 a barrel. Uh, oil has fluctuated quite a lot. And this is an important thing to get our minds around. In this particular episode of inflation, there have been two major causes. One was the pandemic. And the fact that we had a lot of people sitting at home buying stuff with uh, money they weren't spending somewhere else. And at the same time, we had a restriction in supply because of people not being able to get to work or not being able to work or being shut down in China or whatever. So we had a supply and demand imbalance, which caused prices to initially go up. And then the reason it wasn't transitory, which is what the Federal Reserve was saying at the time, is because of the invasion of Ukraine. And when, in, when Ukraine was invaded by Russia, the price of oil went to $120 a barrel. Well, you think about that oil goes into just about everything we buy or do. Uh, food, you wouldn't think a lot of oil goes into food. Well, it does. It goes into oil. It goes into fertilizer. It yeah. goes into the tractors that, avocados that, uh, that have, plow the fields. Yeah. Somebody has to provide the wings to the avocados to get them here. And those wings yes. are powered with oil. And somebody has to put diesel in the tractors. And, and so the price of petroleum is a big driver in the cost of everything. And when it went to $120 a barrel, it put a price shock into the system. And it's, if you watch the price of oil, and we have over the, over the months of this year, you'll notice that inflation follows the price of oil. As the price of oil has come back down to pretty much the same place it was before the pandemic, the inflation rate keeps dropping. And we'll talk about that some more. That's the big, as a matter of fact, that is probably the number one news item for the week. I think it's worth summarizing something here. And, and the fact is that the United States economy is functioning very, very well right now. As a matter of fact, if anything, too well. Um, it's running along at a pace that has been running at a pace this year that is not sustainable. But that's all right because it ran at a slow pace in the years before. I think there is a return to normal, but the return to normal in our, in our economy, in our markets, will be something different than the old normal. Now, will there be some striking revelation I can tell you other than the fact that interest rates will not be declining precipitously as they have over the last 40 years? No. I can tell you that after a traumatic event and the pandemic was definitely a traumatic event. Things will be different when we come out of it because we will be busy reacting to it. Just as over the last decade, we have been reacting to what was called the Great Recession and the financial crisis. To give you an example about some of that reacting, um, banks, the major banks have been reporting, the, the gigantic banks have been reporting their earnings this week. And 
they are setting aside very substantial cash reserves, very substantial cash reserves, like they're headed into a great recession. But none of their indicators internally suggest that their business is slowing down. Yeah. They're adding it. So, what we've got is we are not going to have another great financial crisis because the banks are going to be sitting on big, fat cushions of money. And what else does that mean? Also, the put to call ratio, which I know that's beyond most people's comprehension in some degree, it's beyond mine. Basically, the put-to-call ratio indicates that there are a lot of people out there, a lot of speculators, who believe that the market is going to crater sometime in the immediate future, so they have bought options to force somebody to purchase stocks at the current price that it's at today after the market falls. And that is an indicator that we're about to have a bull market, by the way, because at some point, these calls have to be liquidated and bought back. And it's it's a little complicated, but the bottom line to it is also the shorting, the number of short, shorts are still are pretty high. There's a lot of indicators from the fact that the banks are hoarding money. Other people are hoarding money. People are hoarding uh, employees. And betters, speculators in the market are betting the market is going to fall. All of which tends to suggest that we're not going to have a recession. Now, I know that sounds backwards, but the preparation for a down market that is widespread right now, the preparation for a recession, which is widespread right now, tends to cause it not to happen. I know that sounds strange, but that's the reality. And right. all of that money and all of that backlog of preparation is going to have to be liquidated at some point and something done with it, which will cause the next boom to hit us. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I, I kind of think we're 2023 will be looked back on. We'll say that was an unexpectedly good year. I wouldn't be surprised. I, I think that particularly market related, even if we get a recession this year, the market tends to be recovering when the recession's announced. And if you look at the European indexes, their recession is definitely going and they have their stock market is doing quite well. In fact, it's this year doing better than the U.S. stock market because that's typically what happens. The stock market is a leading indicator of the economy. It's not always right, but it tends to lead. I and mean, we've never had a recession without a bear market beforehand. We've had bear markets without recessions, but we've never had a recession without a bear market. And we've never had a booming economy that didn't have a bull market start before it. And so that's just, it looks good. It looks like we went through a, a tough time last year getting the supply chain figured out. China's still being all wrapped up in COVID and lockdowns and slowing all of that. Interest rates coming up. Um, but it looks like we're kind of getting our act together across the planet. That's good news. Uh, it's going to be chaotic. Don't get me wrong there. Uh, it's chaotic in government. It doesn't really matter which government you're looking at. United States government looks chaotic right now. Go almost anywhere in the world and the governments look chaotic. And that's normal coming out of a plague. We call them plant pandemics today, but this is a very normal thing. Everything gets shaken up. And these big social changes that take place from isolation to reopening economies 
to uh, do I trust you to breathe on me in the same room? This goes back many thousands of years. There's lots of evidence for us to look at. Governments have weird shifts at this point. We're seeing very normal things. Interest rates change around pandemics, previous known as plagues. Uh, They're being done in a much more structured and organized manner across the planet today than they did the last major plague that hit the planet. So... I don't, I don't know if I should knock on a lot of wood or throw some salt over my shoulder or something, but we seem to be figuring things out from history. I don't want to make that as a prediction. That generally comes right before we forget history completely and go do stupid things. So <laughs> the things look good at the moment based on a, on, on a historical analysis of where we are in this particular pandemic. We're doing things the way we normally do, but without quite as horrible repercussions across things. It's, I hope we can do it the next pandemic too. Maybe do it even better. That'd be weird. Well, I, th- I think that better. by the next pandemic, we, we will have forgotten. Yeah. Uh, they generally tend to come around once a century. We tend to congratulate ourselves on how well we did it and then forget how we did it for the next time because we did it so well we don't have to remember there are crises that we set aside. We've created organizations to deal with in advance and we worked on it really, really hard. And then the crisis didn't come along for a couple of decades and it got defunded. And then we get hit with another crisis that we're not prepared for. Right. We're about out of time for this hour. Uh, if you would like to talk to us off the air, we actually do give customized uh, for our individualized clients investment advice and portfolio management and you can reach us uh, locally we have voicemail waiting on the weekends but real life people during the week no phone tree at 254-947-1111 or 1-800-914-7526 that's 800-914-PLAN you can go to our webpage thepersonalwealthcoach.com or tpwc.com if you prefer where you can read our newsletters, sign up for our newsletter, read what they said years ago to see if how accurate we were. Uh, there are radio program is there as well, and you can find the podcast anywhere that podcasts are provided. You can contact us through our contact form or directly through email at jeff at tpwc.com and or jake at tpwc.com. And we actually read those things. Strange, I know. Uh, In the meantime, thank you very much for listening to uh, two bald, boring men talk about finance. And until next hour, this has been The Personal Wealth Coach.